Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, they say the NHL draft starts at three for this year. So on that note, who's going number three? You tell us, 630 Chad challenging you to accurately predict the top eight draft picks this summer at the NHL draft as part of the 630 Chad NHL mock draft uh, challenge. I will put my top 10 out on Monday. It is presented by AMJ Campbell. And beginning today, whoever can successfully pick the top eight picks of the draft in the correct order will have a chance to win $500 cash courtesy of AMJ Campbell. Enter your mock draft at 630Chad.com and you could be $500 richer. Do you want to mention guests on this show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow Sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie, Brendan, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. Alrighty. Uh, in Buffalo last week for the scouting combine, bumped into a guy who's seen a lot of these kids play from NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet. Sam Cosentino joins us right now. Sam, good to talk with you again. How you doing? Doing great, Bob. I love the contest because this year picking eight in in order is going to be a challenge for anybody, even those of us who get to spend the whole year working on something like this. Uh, well, and on that note, uh, I mean, is there? I, I think we all know who the first two are going to be. Is that a fair assessment? I'd say that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're of the belief Jack Hughes, especially with New Jersey having that heavy American influence, and we're going to talk a bit about the Americans in a second. But uh, Jack Hughes to the Devils, and then. Capo Caco uh, going to the Rangers. So it starts at three. And uh, is there a second group there, maybe three through five in your opinion, or is it wide open at three? No, I think there's a grouping there. I think it's uh, the grouping would be Alex Turcott of the U.S. program. I think Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades is in that group, and I think Bowen Byram is in that group. So you know, the way I would just handicap it right off the hop if I'm Chicago and I'm looking at Henry Yokaru, got 37 NHL games. I took Adam Boquist, he really came on with the London Knights on the second half and especially in the playoff. And Nick Bodan is a defenseman, a good skating defenseman who plays in Drummondville. As three guys I've taken here in the last two years, that would lead me to believe that best player and uh, that being a center would intersect for Chicago, and Alex Turcott would probably be that guy. And I think the other two are interchangeable when I'm looking at Colorado at four and the LA Kings at five. Okay, uh, so you mentioned uh, Bowen Byram, a defenseman. Uh, Colorado's just added a, a high-impact guy that was electrifying in the playoffs on the right side. Joe Sackix probably needs a forward, but is Bowen Byram too good to pass up at four, do you think? Well, he might be, and if you look at Samuel Gerard and, and Kale McCarr, um, you know, you got to be pretty happy with what you have moving forward there in the back end. And then you add someone like Connor Timmons who didn't play last year and is still kind of struggling to find his way back. That if he ever finds the game that he had, you know, with Sault Ste. Marie and for Canada at the World Juniors uh, going back to 2018, you're looking at uh, pretty well positioned with your with your group of defense. 
with that, though. I mean, when that intersects, the intersection that we talked about with Chicago, uh, a center and a forward works for you, that's something that you may very well consider. And if you're the Colorado Avalanche, you're looking at Makar having such a, an impact and a projectable impact here moving forward that Bowen Byron might be someone who can do that for you two years down the road. So now you've staggered your defense. We're and I think if the playoffs have told the sentiment, Bob, yeah. you know, you're going to need three guys back there who can do the kind of things that a Makar, that a, that a Bowen Byron does. Sam Cosentino joining us from Sportsnet, NHL Hockey on Rogers. He's part of their major junior coverage, uh, does the Memorial Cup every year, sees all these kids play. Brent McEwen is uh, an impactful scout for the LA Kings. Rob Blake was uh, at the first three games of the uh, Prince Albert uh, Saskatoon series, which you called. And uh, Bo, uh, the performance for Kirby Dock out of Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta, specifically in games two and games three. Uh, to me, he looked like a men amongst boys against a team full of men because Prince Albert was a 19. They had the older, more mature team. You saw a lot of Doc. Uh, what was your take? You know, I, I was impressed, Bob, because in our broadcast in game one, they got pumped 6-1. There were a couple of occasions there where I thought Doc had the opportunity to take the puck to the net and you know, publicly, challenge, publicly challenge them in the broadcast. Listen, you're a big dude, man. You need to go to the net. You need to take this puck to the house. And he did that in games two and three, and I thought he was really good in both of those games. And I think those playoffs were, were pretty meaningful for Doc. Those viewings were particularly helpful because it's one thing when you have your book of, of scouts that you trust and you rely on all year. It's another thing that when you're a high-end guy, a GM, director of player personnel, that you get to see that stuff firsthand. Uh, it, it also adds that extra layer of reliability as to what you might be doing. So I, I'm a big Kirby Doc fan because I know he's, He's really super serious. He's already got good size. You know, he can, uh, I'd like to see him shoot a bit more, but I think that's something that will develop in his repertoire. So a big fan of the player. Uh, in Buffalo, he looked like a man, too. Like, there were some guys that looked oh, like yeah. kids. He was composed and carried himself in a, in a fashion that was on a little bit uh, different level. All right, so Edmonton's sitting that there at eight, and we basically boxed out five guys, which is not to say... Uh, you know, I guess in th- I, there, to me, there's no way Byram drops to eight. Unlikely either Turcotte or Doc do, but you never know. So who's in the next grouping sort of uh, six through what for you in terms of the players, Sam? So, Bob, I would say, uh, speaking to that, Doc would be the only guy, I think, of, of those three that, that potentially, I don't think he gets as far as eight. So let's eliminate him. Let's start with Dylan Cousins of the left for Hurricanes, Trevor Zegers of the U.S. Under-18 program. Cole Caulfield, U.S. Under-18 program. Philip Broberg, who had a real good end of the season at the Under-18s with Sweden. And a guy who's grown, I think, since the final uh, rankings in terms of height and weight by, by, I believe, an inch. So those are some of the names you'd be looking at there. Peyton Krebs, I think, would also be in the mix in that spot. And make maybe a guy like Victor Suderstrom, uh, the defenseman out of Sweden. So there's five or six names, honestly, Bob, that it, it'd be tough to pinpoint one. Uh, and some might, some of that decision might be made ahead of you. Well, and so, you know, you take a look at Buffalo having a, the number seven pick. A lot of people think they're looking at a center. Uh, of course, they got Rasmus Dahlin last year. They still have Ristolainen, so they got a left and right shot option there. Maybe they, but th- they've had success drafting out of Sweden, which uh, circles back to Broberg. Um, and then you have the Detroit Red Wings at six, Steve Eiserman. Uh, 
the Red Wings organization historically, you know, they're right there for that U.S. development, uh, that national development program, right, Sam? So it's that's going to be, a, you know, is that a place where Zgrass goes? I, I did get the sense that Cousins, and you could maybe shed some light on this for me, did you get the sense that he might be sliding a bit when we were in Buffalo? Yeah, I do. I, I totally get that sense. Outside of 10, I don't think that happens. But a guy who probably right up until the midway point of the year and maybe even into into April would have been considered a sure player top five. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, recency bias tends to play a factor. And again, it's what we talked about, Bob. A lot of times when you get to the under-18, general managers know the fate of their NHL team. They're not with them anymore, so they get out of the scouting trail. And so when you're looking at a guy like... Well, Golden's another name we need to talk about. But when you're looking at certain guys, you want to see what they do in person. So Dylan Cousins at the under 18 wasn't particularly strong. Having said that, you should already have a really good book on the player based on Canada-Russia, based on when he started in the playoffs two years ago as a 15-year-old, based on an 80-plus point season with Lethbridge, so on and so on. Your book should be good enough to kind of delineate that, that, that recency bias. To, to a certain extent. All right, and that's an important qualification because I, you know, one of the narratives that was in Buffalo, well, the Amer, you know, and you'd be the first to admit to this, the American program is built to win that tournament. Is that fair? Well, I would say they, they should have they should have won everything with state touch this year based based on pure talent alone, and that didn't happen for any of their tournaments. Right. So they don't win, but it's not seen as a failure. It's seen as a character builder for their group. Conversely, Cousins received some criticism for his performance in the medal round. And, you know, for the Canadian guys, their definition of success is a Memorial Cup. That's what they're playing for in uh, junior hockey. So it's I, I, I do think you talk about a, the, the recency bias in terms of the importance of the U18 tournament. Uh, I totally 100% agree with that. I wonder whether or not there there's some people out there in the hockey world that judge an all-star team with that U.S. National Development Program maybe differently than they're judging, uh, you know, a kid like Krebs coming out of Kootenai who had a terrible team, you know, or, or a guy like Cousins who had a tough performance in the final couple games at the U18. You know, that, that is a thing, but let's, let's break down some of the individuals. You look at Cam York, for example, okay? Yeah. I thought he was great at the under-18. You look at 14 goals for Cole Caulfield, I mean, that's a ridiculous number of goals. Yes. You look at Jack Hughes, now he's got a two-year record. So individually, sure, those guys performed well, yet the team didn't. But when you look at Canada, Canada didn't medal. And then if you still have players that don't perform well, it's kind of like two knocks against you as opposed to, to just one, where in the U.S. case, some of the individuals actually performed well, yet their team didn't win, and they should have. Yeah. So there's so much to take into consideration there. You're trying to find apples to apples as much as you can, but that's what makes this so difficult. Kids playing in Sweden, playing against men. Kids playing in Finland against men. Kids playing in the CHL. They're playing against USHL. They're playing against college kids. Some are playing against high school. How do we find that apples to apples comparison? That's the real challenge that these guys have. Yeah, absolutely. We're joined by Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. Sam, uh, you mentioned the two Swedish defensemen and Broberg. I mean, he was here last year for the Holinka Gretzky. I, I know there were several people 
some of whom are no longer in the Oilers organization that loved him uh, last uh, last summer. Then he had kind of a tough year, right? But then he closed it out wow. in style. I don't, was he the MVP of the U18 uh, uh, top defenseman of the time? He had a great finish for Sweden. They won the gold medal. Has he moved back into the top 10 for you? No question. And I was a guy who had him squarely placed in that probably uh, I was 14 to maybe 20 range for a good chunk of the season, other than what I witnessed with my own eyes being at the Helenka Gretzky in April. At that point, he wasn't on anyone anyone's radar, Bob. Okay. But the tournament he had, everyone said, all right, this guy's a surefire top 10. Let's see what he does. So he goes back. He ends up getting sick a little bit. He ends up bouncing between the, the men's league and the under-20. He takes off for the World Juniors. I don't think there was at any point in the regular season where he had a chance to settle in and play the same game that he played at the Olympic Gretzky until we got to April in the under-18. Comfortable back with his peer group. Was a, a guy who knew exactly what his role was. A guy that they knew they had to lean on to score, which was a lot different from some of the things that he had to do bouncing between the under-20 and, and the Alvenskin and the SHL and so on, which is a real challenge for a guy because you start to question, what am I good at? What, what are my best attributes? And how am I going to play to that? Or do I have to adjust my game based on the team I'm playing on? So really, really challenging middle part of the season for Broberg. But I love the bookends, no, no question about it. Yeah, and uh, give us a scouting report on him. What does he do well? First of all, it's, uh, he's a great skater. I mean, he skates like the wind. He's got size, so you're going to like those things about him. I think there's some room for improvement in terms of his upside, in terms of his puck handling skills and his hands. But he's a guy who can literally break the puck out by himself without any issue. He's a guy who thinks the game really well. So in situations where it's time to jump up on the rush, he has a real good knack of when to do that and when to kind of just hang back. Uh, defending, I think it's those good feet that help him do that in terms of getting back quickly on retrievals, processing the game once he gets the puck, and making that quick play. They're deciding whether to skate the puck out or make a good solid first pass. So there's a lot to his game. It's multidimensional, no doubt. What has happened to Paul Colson? Nothing's happened to him. His contract is what happened to him. And he's one guy, Bob, that I mentioned to you two minutes ago, and I'm glad you brought his name up because I think he's a huge wild card inside of that top ten. In my personal opinion, I'd have him placed as the third best player in this draft. I really do. I don't think there's any holes to his game. But again, a guy whose numbers were absolutely brutal in the regular season, whether he's with MHL, the VHL, or the KHL. However, World Junior A Challenge was so good, they had to invite him to the World Juniors. He didn't put up points at the World Juniors, but he played in rushes all their important minutes, all their D zones, all those important situations. He played for them as an under eight. That doesn't happen with that Russian coach very often. And then you look at his Olenka Gretzky, where he tied for the tournament lead with 11 points. He got off to a great start. Now, the contractual situation, I don't know if that's something that can be bypassed. Apparently, it's two more years. Some, some I've heard he has to play the two years out. Others I've heard there might be a way out of it. So there is that issue when playing for a team like Scott St. Petersburg that can give him all kinds of money and all kinds of terms. Do you want to go up against that and risk playing him lower in the lineup or even sending him to the AHL when he knows he can make a boatload of money at home? Yeah, it's an interesting situation. Another wild card, is it fair to say, is Cole Caulfield in terms of where he might go? Yeah, for sure. Again, a guy for me who I had in the middle of the pack, but when you start looking at the goal scoring and how it happens in a variety of situations, 
his ability to put himself into good situations in which to score goals, that's a knack. That's a knack not a lot of guys have. And it's such a coveted thing that the National Hockey League, based on, look at the scores of the games we're seeing right now, it's tough to score goals. This guy does it in a variety of ways. So Alex DeBrinker will be the, the, the great person that came before him that sure. will say a smaller player can do it. And I think that has really, really helped uh, help raise his stock. And the fact, Bob, you were there. He got measured. He was over 5'7". I think the official central scouting measurement in the final uh, combine was 5'7.25". As soon as he saw he got over 5'7", he gave it the old fist pump as if to say, hey, now I'm 5'7", I'm good to go. All righty. Uh, let's do this. So we've established that Hughes, Kako, uh, Byram, along with Turcotte and Doc. We believe those guys are going to be gone for sure at 8. Name two other names that you think will be gone by the time Edmonton selects. Uh, I think Cousins is gone at 8. Oh, man, that's a, and Zegers. Okay. Those two other guys. So the, yeah. so the available guys that are left, who do you think makes the most sense for Edmonton? Oh, boy. I mean, Broberg is probably going to be in that conversation. I mean, it's... it's is the general thinking that he's back into top 10 status. For me, I think that's the case. He's going to be there. Suderstrom would be another guy if, if defense is the way to go. Um, you know, I mean, Ken Holland, all those times in Detroit, had a lot of success with Russian players. So has Bob Colson become a guy who's wow. in the big four? Wow. So I don't know about, like, honestly, it's really wide open. And all the guys I've talked to, and I've talked to a lot of guys here over the last, Oh, geez, ever since the Combine and even previous to that, that it's a real challenge to find out what those names, I think we're pretty confident what the 13 or so names look like. We're just not confident in which order they're going to go in, and that's what's going to make this thing such a blast, and that's why I love your contest in trying to pick the top eight. Sam, if you don't mind, we're going to reach out to you in a couple weeks as we close in on the final day, okay? Yeah, I can't wait, Bob. Awesome stuff. Thanks a lot. That's Sam Cosentino from uh, NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet. He does all of the major junior package for Sportsnet at the Memorial Cup. And uh, interesting. So he thinks Cousins probably going to be gone by the time Edmonton picks. Ah, it's interesting. We'll have to wait and see. And he's got Doc outright gone. I tend to agree with him. I think he's going to be outright gone. And I, Broberg... I saw him last uh, year here, too, and I thought, man, that guy's pretty good. He can <laughs> skate. Um, Zgras don't have as much information on. If you watched any of the U18, it was impossible to ignore what Caulfield uh, could do. Oilers have a lot of defense prospects. We'll take a quick timeout. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, wrapping up the show, Friday, 154. Let's go to this day in Oilers history. Going back to 2006, it was a bummer, and I know where I was when I was watching this because I was not in Carolina for Game 1 and Game 2, but I was there for Game 5 and Game 7. I was at Overtime Broiler and Tap Room with Craig Lupel and uh, Sandy Nesbitt's place uh, back in the day when we used to do our remotes there. Brendan, you were probably, what, 12 at the time? Uh, yeah, that's exactly how old I was, as a matter of fact. Uh, or turning 12 a few months after Cam Ward had a 25-save shutout in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. The Carolina Hurricanes beat the Oilers 5-0 in Raleigh. Frank Caberlet, Matt Cullen each had three-point nights to give the Hurricanes a 2-0 series lead. Oilers came back, won Game 3, lost Game 4. 
Went in in Carolina. Pisani scored an overtime shorthanded game five. Smoked the Canes in game six. Carolina got one more bounce, one game seven, three one with an empty netter. Uh, that's this day in Oilers history. Again, you can text us at 6.30, 6.30. Tweet us at Oilers now. Um, Brad out of Calgary wants to know, hey, Bob, would Yesipoliarvi and the eight get you to number four? Uh, I don't think so. Hmm. It's an interesting concept. If Turcott was there at three, maybe. Everybody have a terrific weekend. We'll be back at our Monday. If I survive this weekend. Up next, the news, weather, traffic update with Carrie McCarthy, followed by the 630 Afternoon News with Jalen and I. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.